Good morning, church family. I pray that you are all well and that you are all at peace this morning. Yes, at peace, even in the midst of this unusual season. At peace with God, because peace with God is a peace that surpasses all understanding and it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I know even from home, all of God's people said, Amen. We will continue this morning in our study of the book of Ephesians, as today we will be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And it's a continuation of Paul's thoughts from where we left off a week ago. Now, if you remember from last week, Paul noted that Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate gift giver. And as the ascended Lord and ruler over all, he is qualified to give gifts to his children. Thus he freely gives grace to his children, empowering or ministry grace which allows them to carry out or to use their gifts in the roles in which they have been called. I hope you remember this wonderful promise from a week ago. But today we see some of the particular gifts or offices that Christ has given to the church. And these are wonderful gifts. They are edifying gifts. They are enlightening gifts for the church. Which is not always the case when you receive a gift. I read a joke about a husband who was frantically searching for a gift for his wife, who was the ultimate dog lover when suddenly he saw a sign which read, Talking Dog for Sale. So the husband raced to see the dog and said, You talk? Yup, the dog replied. So the husband asked, Well, what's your story? And the dog looked up and said, Well, I discovered my gift of talking pretty young, and I wanted to help the government, so I told the CIA about my gift. And in no time, they had me jetting from country to country, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders because no one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. But I got pretty tired of the whole thing and just wanted to retire and settle down. So here I am. The husband was amazed. So he went back and asked the owner what he wanted for the dog. Ten dollars, the owner said. The husband looked with unbelief in his eyes. Why on earth are you only selling this wonderful dog for $10? To which the owner replied, because he's a big liar. He didn't do any of that stuff. But unlike talking or lying dogs, church, the gifts we are talking about today, they are wonderful gifts. They are edifying gifts. They are enlightening gifts that Christ has given to the church, which takes us to our thesis this morning, or our summary statement of the sermon's main points. Our thesis this morning is this, that Christ has given the church uniquely gifted individuals, and they have been called to equip the saints for the work of ministry so the church body can mature in Christ. Again, our thesis statement this morning, Christ has given the church uniquely gifted individuals, and they have been called to equip the saints for the work of ministry so the church body 
can mature in Christ. Our text this morning is Ephesians chapter 4. will be in verses 11 through 16. And even from home this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I would encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along in our text this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And the Apostle Paul wrote, said, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross. Lord, you have given us grace upon grace. For by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You have given us ministry grace or empowering grace to carry out our calling within the church. And Lord, as we see today, you have given us the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip us and to help us grow in our ministry and into the fullness of Christ. Lord, we are overwhelmed by your grace, but let us boldly walk in that grace, Lord. Lord, I pray for wisdom this morning. Help my lisping, stammering tongue. Lord, I pray that I be clear with the words that I speak, that I be true and humble and convicted with the words that I speak, and give our listeners this morning eyes to see your truth, ears to hear your truth, and a heart that receives your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one. Christ has given the church body uniquely gifted individuals called to equip the saints for ministry and to help the church mature in the fullness of Christ. Again, point number one, Christ has given the church body uniquely gifted individuals called to equip the saints for ministry and to help the church mature in the fullness of Christ. It'll be in verses 11 through 14 which reads, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now we start here in verse 11 with five gifts that Christ has gifted the church. Or a list of five different offices or positions that Christ has gifted the church. Verse 11, it says that he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now too often, Christians read this text and they only want to focus on the nature of these positions. And these questions always arise. What is the exact definition of each position? What does each position do? Does Paul define apostle and prophet in a narrow sense, or does he define it in a broad sense? Which honestly misses the focus or the point of the text which is that just as Christ gives Christians the grace needed to carry out their call in ministry, so too has Christ given the church men with specific giftings to help the children of God grow and to help them develop and mature in Christ and in their ministry callings. So in verse 11, it says that he, Christ, gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So who exactly are these guys, and what exactly are these gifts? Bible scholar Harold Honer described them as the following. First, Christ gave the apostles, who were messengers from God, and who received the very word of God and shared it with people in places who did not have the word of God, and then they started churches. Thus it is easy to see why the apostles who received and took the very word of God to the entire world were gifts from God to his church. Next we see the prophets. Now, the New Testament prophet, which is likely what Paul has in mind here, seemed most focused on communicating God's divine revelation to his people or taking the word of God and applying it to unique situations for the people of God. And now before we get on to the evangelist, I wanted to note that even though the majority of scholars that I read said that you can't easily or neatly place each of these positions into a clean or perfect classification or description without some type of overlap. Paul still mentions in Ephesians 2.20 that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And in Ephesians 3.5, Paul mentions that the mystery of Christ has been revealed to the apostles and prophets. Thus being that the foundation of the church has been laid, and being that the canon of scripture is complete or closed, the first century offices of apostles and prophets are no longer needed, and thus are no longer active or have ceased. Now, moving on to the evangelist, these were men who were focused on going anywhere and everywhere to preach the gospel. And again, there is some overlap within these positions. 
But practically, in the first century church, the evangelist would win people to Christ. The apostles would share the revelation of God and build churches for Christ. And the prophets would apply the revelation of God for the people of Christ. So you can see how each of these offices would be gifts to the church. And finally, God gave the gifts of shepherds and teachers to the church. Shepherds who were individuals who were gifted in the ministries of caring for the flock, protecting the flock, binding the wounds of the flock. And he gave teachers who were to instruct the flock in the doctrines of Christ and in the scriptures and in how to apply the scriptures to their lives. Thus Christ in his mercy has given the church gifted individuals in these offices. But why? And please do not miss this point this morning. The reason these men were given to the church was so they could equip the saints for ministry and help the church mature in Jesus Christ. The reason these men were given to the church was so that they could equip the saints for ministry and help the church mature in Christ. Professor Michael Green described it this way. He said, The need for diversity as the basis of unity in the body of Christ is well illustrated by a jigsaw puzzle. All the parts of the puzzle are of equal importance to complete the puzzle. And without all the parts, the puzzle will be incomplete. However, when building a puzzle, one looks first for the corner pieces that are foundational to the completion of the rest of the puzzle. So too are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers foundational to the completion of the mature body of Christ. But when the jigsaw puzzle is finished, these corner pieces are of no more value than the rest of the pieces. You see, church, we all play a part. And Christ has gifted the church with the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to help the church grow into the complete, mature body of Jesus Christ. Verses 12 through 14. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Why did Christ give the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and shepherds and teachers? Verse 12 begins with, to equip the saints, to equip the church for the work of ministry. See, I really hope you believed me last week when I said we all have been called to a certain ministry within the church. But here is the wonderful news. God isn't going to call us to something and just say, figure it out on your own. 
So God gave the church apostles and prophets so we can have the very word of God and know the very will of God. And God gave pastors and shepherds and teachers who can equip and encourage and help church members grow in their ministry calling. Thus, you are not alone. We were made for community. Thus, God gives us the help and the support we need. And this is vital because the work of the ministry at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. It is not just for pastors. It is not just for elders. It is not just for deacons. It is for everyone. Everyone using their gifts, their strengths, their means, their abilities, working together as one body, serving Christ. That is why one of my favorite phrases to say to you is this. I want to lovingly encourage you. Why? Because no one can do this ministry thing alone. Why? Because we have too many weaknesses. In the words of the reformer John Calvin, no member of the body of Christ is endowed with such perfection as to be able, without the assistance of others, to to supply his own necessities. You see, we need each other, church. No one person can call every member of the church every week. No one person can write a letter to every member every week. No one person can lead every small group, can lead every Sunday school class, can lead every prayer meeting. No one person can manage every need within the congregation. So God has gifted the church with shepherds and teachers and pastors, not so they can do all the work themselves because they are the professionals, but so they can equip the saints for their call in ministry, which verse 12 says builds up the body of Christ. And the fruit of this, equipping the saints and building up the body of Christ, verse 13, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, as we grow in the apostles' teaching, and as we mature in our knowledge of Christ, there will be, verse 13, unity of the faith amongst us. We will be as a church united in the doctrines of Christ that we preach, that we proclaim, and that we practice. Thus, when we come into contact with a theology or a doctrine that seems off or looks funny or smells funny, we as a unified body can deny and repudiate together the prosperity gospel. We can deny and repudiate together health, wealth, and name it, claim it theology because we are united as a body and grounded in the infallible and errant word of God which points us all to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. But... But if we do not develop as Christians, if we do not grow in knowledge of the apostles' teaching, if we do not mature in our Christ-likeness, or verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, there is a very real danger, both to you personally and to the local church. Thus we must, 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 mature as Christians. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We must mature as Christians so that we don't always act like children. Because children, they get tossed by the waves. They get carried by every wind. Children, they believe anything. Children, they don't have the maturity or the wisdom to figure out people are lying to them or trying to trick them. You see, I have two boys myself. Theo, who is five, and Simon, who is three. And they are wonderful boys. But if it was up to them, they would eat donuts for breakfast, Easter candy for lunch, and ice cream for dinner. Thus, if I told them, Theo, Simon, if you only eat donuts, it will help you get stronger. Or if I told them, Theo, Simon, if you only eat candy and ice cream, you can live forever. Not only would those two boys believe me, but they would jump at the opportunity for a balanced diet of donuts, candy, and ice cream because they make childish decisions based on their immature desires. And you know what? That's okay for now because, Lord willing, they will grow. They will mature and they will learn to discern and realize that donuts and candy and ice cream alone do not make up a healthy diet. But church, what if we as Christians do not mature? What if we as Christians don't grow in our wisdom or in our discernment and we remain a Christian child forever? Do you see how dangerous that could be to you spiritually and to the local church? Imagine for a second a church made up of only children who are tossed to and fro by waves. I mean, we cannot have a church that is led by children. Because when children lead the church, the church then is easily swayed by false false teachers. When children lead the church, the church easily accepts every new fad and every new teaching. When children lead the church, the church is easily deceived and allows the church to look just like the world. Thus, we cannot be content to be a child in the faith forever or a spiritually immature Christian forever. Brother Christian, sister Christian, the church needs you to mature in your faith. Your family needs you to mature in your faith. Your spouse needs you to mature in your faith. And your children need you to mature in your faith. Thus, use the gifts Christ has given the church, the apostles and the prophets, to learn the will of God and grow in our knowledge of Christ. The shepherds, the teachers, and pastors to discern your gifts and apply them to the ministries of the church. Use these gifts, brother Christian, sister Christian, to grow in Christ because we cannot have children being the spiritual leaders of our churches, of our ministries, or of our homes. Thus feel the Holy Spirit's conviction this morning and grow up, mature in Christ. Your church body is dependent on it. Mature in Christ. But how exactly will we as Christians 
see Christian maturity manifest itself in our lives? How exactly will we as Christians see Christian maturity manifest itself in our lives? And the Apostle Paul offers two marks or two distinctives of Christian maturity here, which brings us to our second point this morning. Christian maturity leads to speaking the truth in love and investing in each other as the body of Christ. Point number two, Christian maturity leads to speaking the truth in love and investing in each other as the body of Christ. Verses 15 and 16. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We'll start with verse 15 or mark number one, or distinctive number one of the mature Christian. Mature Christians speak the truth in love. Here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, we take our doctrine seriously. We try to communicate it accurately, boldly, with conviction, and we try to live by it. But if someone were to walk through the door at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, who is, per se, new to the faith, they might come here and be confused or new to the doctrines of grace or new to the idea of the holy wrath of God or new to the concept of the Trinity or the hypostatic union or that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And if that is the case... We are not to instantly jump down their throat, scream heretic, and cast them aside. Instead, we are to teach and to speak to them the truth in love in a way that equips them to know Christ more. This is the sign, a sign, of the mature Christian. For example, look at 1 Timothy 3. What is one of the qualifications to be an elder? They must be able to teach. What is another one of the qualifications? They must be gentle. What is another qualification? They must not be quarrelsome. So the mature Christian does not fly off the rails when they see someone in the church trying to discern right from wrong or trying to figure out how I can grow in the faith. Instead, in the Greek, mature Christians are truthing in love to one another or speaking the truth in love to each other. So verse 16, or mark number two, or distinctive number two of the mature Christian, the whole church body then is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, mature members of the church, they devote themselves to the ministries of Christ, and although they are individuals, They work and function together as one. As Dr. Thomas Constable puts it, the whole body grows as each part carries out its proper function. Each believer contributes to body growth as he or she exercises his or her particular gifts in service to Christ. 
church. Jesus Christ is the head in whom we grow. But as members of one body, we must also function and work together because we are all joined together as a body. By verse 16, every joint with which the body is equipped with. So we need each part of the body supporting and fulfilling their role so the body can work and grow for and in Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. It doesn't matter how fast the legs are. If your feet are broken, the body cannot run. It doesn't matter how perfect the vision of the eyes are. If the eyelids don't work, the body, it cannot see. It doesn't matter how strong the vocal cords are. If the mouth does not open the body, it cannot sing. And the mature Christian, they know this and are committed to using their gifts to benefit and support other members of the body, so the body of Christ goes to work. Tony Evans put it this way. He said, appliances don't serve themselves. Toasters don't eat their own toast. Refrigerators don't cool the food that they are going to eat. Stoves don't eat the food that they cook. A microwave doesn't digest the food that it radiates. Appliances are there to serve somebody else. We benefit from their calling. God has assigned you with a grace and a gifting, and your fulfillment of that purpose should result in a benefit to others. Brother Christian, sister Christian, if you want to know where your maturity level as a Christian stands this morning, ask yourself two questions. Question number one, how am I at truthing in love? How am I at speaking the truth in love to my brothers and sisters in Christ? And question number two, am I using my God-given gifts to build myself up and to serve myself in which I am the head? Or am I using my gifts to build up and serve others in the church in which Christ is the head? Think about it. As we close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is listening. First off, to the non-Christian tuning in, thank you. It is an honor, it really is, to share God's word with you this morning. But as I just mentioned, it is our call as maturing Christians to speak the truth in love to those who are inside the church, and yes, even to those who are outside the church. Thus lovingly, what I am about to share, it is the ultimate truth because it leads to salvation. Non-Christian, it is true that you are a sinner, and your sin, it has separated you from God, and you are deserving of God's most holy wrath. But... It is also true that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners from the holy wrath of God. Non-Christian, it is true that Jesus Christ lived the life that you never could live, a sinless, perfect, righteous life. 
It is true, non-Christian, that Jesus Christ willingly took your place. He stood in as your substitute and bore the wrath of God that you deserve for your sin. It is true that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he was crushed on a cross, and as a sacrifice, he was a ransom for many. Non-Christian, it is true that his sacrifice, Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, his perfect life, it appeased the wrath of God toward you and your sin. And non-Christian, it is true that although Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and was buried, it is also true that three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he defeated sin and defeated death through eternity. And it is true that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thus, non-Christian, I pray today is the day that you hear this saving truth from God, that you believe this saving truth from God, and I promise you the truth will set you free. Let today be the day that you confess your sins, that you turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, and Christ alone is the only one who can forgive you of your sins, the only one who paid the price for your sins, the only one who can clothe you in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back into unity, into communion and fellowship with God now and forevermore. And today will be the day that you receive true eternal salvation. Let today be the day, non-Christian. And to the Christian that is listening this morning, Brother Christian, Sister Christian, Christ has given us the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for ministry. So we as a body can be built up. So we all attain unity and faith and knowledge of Christ. Not to equip one saint not to build up one super member in each church, not so one person can attain knowledge of Christ, but all of us. Do you see the community? Do you see the plurality and the fellowship here? Christianity, it is a team sport, not an individual venture. We were not meant or made to do Christian life alone. The Christian life is not sitting at home by yourself on Sunday and watching your favorite TV preacher. The Christian life is not staying in isolation and having a Christian podcast be your only means of interaction with others. The Christian life is done in community where we as brothers and sisters in Christ can minister to each other. Klein Snodgrass wrote, Christ could supply our needs directly, but instead he has chosen to grace other people so that they contribute to us and we to them. Thus lovingly, let me ask you consider your past week. Faith Bible Fellowship Church, let me ask you to consider your past week. And during last week, did you go out of your way to use your gifts to contribute to the edification of a member at Faith Bible Fellowship Church? Did you go out of your way to contribute to the edification of a member at Faith Bible Fellowship Church? Look, I know this is hard during a pandemic, But did you call or pray for anyone last week? 
Did you text anyone a portion of Scripture to build them up? Did you email anyone an edifying article? Did you write a letter of encouragement to anyone? These are practical and necessary ways we can build each other up during this particular time in this particular place and during this particular season. Our gifts that God has given us, they are meant to be shared, not kept to ourselves. Thus, brother Christian, sister Christian, share your gifts with each other because that is how we build each other up and serve our gracious, gift-giving, ascended Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body, that we go to work, that we take serious our call to mature in Christ, that we take serious our call to use our gifts in the ministries we have been called, and that, Lord, in love, we as a church body, we grow, that we grow in our maturity in the fullness of Christ, that we grow in our ability to speak love and truth to each other, and that we grow in our desire to do ministry together. But Lord, we can only do that if all of our members are devoted and functioning and working in a way that serves you. We cannot have feet that do not want to walk or ears that don't want to hear. We can't have a nose that won't smell or lips that won't speak. Thus, Lord, convict us to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, to teach and admonish one another, to encourage one another and build each other up. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Help us, Lord. Let our love and service to you and your church be an outpouring of our love and service to Christ and Christ alone. Let's get to work, church. As one body, we have been equipped for this work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we have been equipped. Lord, we have been called to ministry. You have given us the grace we need to walk in those ministries. You have given us the apostles, the prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds, pastors to build us up and to help us grow in our knowledge of Christ, our love for you, and our love for each other. Lord, help us to be faithful in walking in the gifts and in the ways that you have called us. We thank you for your grace upon grace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Our benediction this morning comes from Romans chapter 4, or excuse me, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, which reads, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Be at peace, church. Be at peace.